Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the PaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Sarah, we are back. We made a promise. We kept it. Hello, listeners. It's so nice to be with you again. Um, I love the AMAs. It's like my that the ask me anything. I feel like we get like when we get these, we get a mix of questions that are the more technical questions that are the more deep dive type stuff that we do normally. But then we get like some really fun questions. Some are like a little bit more personal. Some are a little bit more just about like how we balance things. And I think it's really fun. But I have to tell you something before we start. I I had a call with my publisher about um, 20 minutes before we started recording tonight. And um, he's a little bit freaked out because the current page count of Paleo Principles is 688. (laughs) Without the references. Uh, I feel like every time I talk to you, you throw out a big number. And you know how, like, you don't, you can't comprehend the size of the universe because it's literally a scale that your brain doesn't understand. Like, once you get over mm, 350, 400 pages, like, that's the scale. I'm like, oh, is that different than the last time? (laughs) Most, I mean, most of the hefty paleo books are like 400 pages like the paleo approach is 424 pages so this is 250 some odd 260 pages more than that like more than 50 percent and and doing a book isn't as simple as like oh let's reduce the font half a type and expand the margins like you can put it on word (laughs) yeah so we've been having this back and forth about whether or not to put the references on my website with a you know for detailed you know citations list see you know this url versus i'm like what if we made it like four point font to put in the book and they're like uh it's not going to be useful if it's that small, I was like, "All right." So I we've we've tabled the discussion. No final decisions have been made. We've been tabled the discussion for a few days because we're still waiting for you know our our estimate is six hundred and eighty eight, but we're still waiting for a couple of sections from the designers. So it's like, let's see what the final page count is and see if we can't. You know, we also need to play with. I I don't actually have a count on the references, but the word doc that has the references in it is one hundred and eight pages. So, I mean, that's a fairly large font. That wouldn't be the first book to put references elsewhere, though. No. I mean, there's plenty of sort of popular science books that do that. um, And they would all just be on the website. So they would still be there. And as my husband says, well, then you could update them as new articles come out. I was like, true. I mean, that that is kind of a neat little feature of of having them on the website. Um, I I like because – one of the goals of this book is is really to bring scientific validity to the entire paleo movement. So I really like the idea of them being in the book. Um, but I think as long as they're easy to find, I think it still brings that scientific weight. So and as my publisher was saying, like, nobody really looks at it. It's just there to be there. And 
we can't afford at like the choice might be like raise the list price, which I really don't want to do. So, you know, and I'm sure other people aren't going to want to pay extra just because the references are, you know, 30 pages. So, um, so I think that's, you know, that's one of those decisions that's going to be, have to be, have to be made, but it was, it's been a really like fraught conversation because it keeps like, how did you write this book? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, the thing was going through edits is supposed to make a book shorter, but the editors kept asking questions that made the book longer. Like it was, it was a really reverse experience over the last uh, three books that I've written where the editor goes, Oh, this is really neat. Maybe if you add a little this paragraph about this, I'm like, yeah, that, I mean, it was always great ideas. I'm like super excited that they were asking for that, but um, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I think <laughs> what I was saying is like, it's just going to be like a seven pound book. And I think we need to do like a workout video with the book, <laughs> the book's your weight and just, you know, embrace that it's, it's going to be a, a giant book. I mean, a giant book full of awesome. Um, I'm really proud of just how comprehensive this book has become. Like it really is, uh, like a one-stop shop all in one resource for, um, not just paleo, but just like what are healthy choices. So, um, so I'm excited, but like I, you know, the last time I heard we were closer to like low 600s. So there wasn't going to be this issue of like trying to find space for stuff. And now all of a sudden we're at the, we, we have to cut something out and it's sort of too late to cut out, um, any, you know, particular topic or recipes or anything like that, because that would cause such a kerfuffle in terms of design. So it's like, we can just cut out the references. That's an easy thing. <laughs> like, oh man. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of them. So I guess that's that's the easy thing right now. <sighs> well, you teased us with the idea of AMA, and <laughs> having sent my kids back to school today. And by the way, I sent them in three different directions. Cole went to middle school. Um, and immediately I like started feeling a witch's wart with three hairs growing out of it pop up on my chin because I'm so old that I have a child in middle school. <laughs> um, and so he took the bus to middle school at like six thirty this morning, which was crazy. We do not, we're not morning people. So it was an adjustment for us all to wake up that early to get him off to the bus on time. And then, um, I took Finn to the kiss and ride to the immersion school because the immersion school and the regular school used to be the same in our old neighborhood. Now it's too different. So I have to drive him to a separate school and then Wesley walked to the neighborhood school. So mom and dad are a little bit tired today. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe we could just jump into some fun AMA. Uh, we have tons of really fun questions. Um, so I think, I think we should get started. Um, where to, where to start? This is, this is just, I'm a little so bit nervous because you told me that these were going to be fun and interesting and that doesn't usually bode well. These, these are like first date questions, um, which I think is really, it's really fun. Like I don't, these, a lot of these questions are questions that, um, we've, we've never been asked, um, uh, and 
uh, a few of these I'm going to have to censor, unfortunately. There, there's some awesome ones in here. Um, but a few of them we have to remember that a lot of our audience listens to this podcast while driving their kids to school or while cooking and their kids are in the background. So we're going to have to – there's a few of these that are going to have to um, – are going to have to wait, but uh, let's start with, are either of you superstitious? Actually, Matt and I were just talking about this on the way um, back from our vacation this weekend in the car, because we were talking about like the definition of luck and the definition of superstition. And I believe that people can um, find themselves in circumstances that are more advantageous than others. Um, I think that life is a lot about being in the right place at the right time, doing the right things and being in the right place at the right time. Um, And that can, you know, positive thinking and uh, self-confidence and all those kinds of things play into that significantly. But I don't think that there's, you know, actually if you walk under a ladder, something's going to happen. No. Um, So I come from um, very strong Scottish roots, um, which means that all of the sort of quintessential Scottish uh, superstitions sort of permeated my upbringing. But it was funny because I think my family just everything was um, must be good luck. So it became almost uh, like a a fun way to explain things. But we had all of the um like i still if i spill salt i still throw a pinch over my left shoulder um i don't walk under ladders but uh if a black cat crosses my path i'm not going to bother turning around because i love having black cats and i mean if i if a black i mean i live with a black cat so if i cared about that one i wouldn't i'd be like stuck in a corner in the fetal position in my house um so there's certain ones that that i don't know it's sort of like it's I don't even know if I've ever stopped to think about whether or not I really believe it. It's just, it was something that we all, my mom always did. You know, if we spilt sugar, oh, that means company's coming, step on a spider, that means it's going to rain. Like, there are all of these little fun little superstitions, but it was always the harmless ones. And yeah. um, and it was always the ones like, you know, if, if you couldn't explain something, it, 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 it always like, that must be good luck was like a really common phrase in my my family, like, um, oh, I just you know slipped and fell in this puddle. Must be good luck, right? Like it's, it just kind of explained everything. Um, but taking a step back from that, um, I'm sort of a person who believes in um, karma and um, the idea that we're meant to do something equally with uh, chance and chaos. And um, I, I, I don't know how I. I think I just kind of whatever's convenient to explaining the current situation is whichever one of those two philosophies I reach for. So, um, you know, sometimes it it makes more sense to blame chance and, and luck or bad luck. And sometimes it makes more sense to blame, you know, or credit karma. And so I, I kind of uh, I guess I'm sort of wishy-washy that way, but I definitely sort of take from both sides of that. Um but I'm also a very analytical person. So um, so that's kind of a weird way to say, yeah, kind of. I'm kind of superstitious, um, but not, not, um, not super dedicated to it. It's more a cultural superstition rather than uh, true superstitious beliefs. 
Yeah, I think that there's definitely some ingrained habits and like if I spill salt, I throw it over my shoulder. But there's been a couple of instances where the kids are like, why do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just habit. (laughs) Right. Right. um, Like I don't actually believe that if I don't throw the salt that something bad is, is going to happen. So, but I do think it's fun to tell them about those things and to like, you know, kids love don't step on a crack. It'll break your mom's back. Like, I don't think any of them actually think if they step on a crack, you know? So, um, I think we've, I think we've, we've covered that that. one. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, this is a question for you, Stacy. which character from the walking dead do you most strongly identify with and why? Maggie. And, um, because she's a natural born leader, she's nice. Um, she is really drawn to family, but she's also got a wild side and she's a fighter. Yeah. Maggie. Um, I don't watch the show. So that, that whole thing, then we could do, we could do Game of Thrones. Um, would not, but see, I, if we start going there, it's gonna be so hard to not do spoilers. No, you can talk about what character you identify with without spoilers. Okay. What character do I identify with? Do you want me to go first? Yeah. I have to think about that. So I identify a lot with both Sansa and Danny. And it's been interesting because I've been going back and watching the beginning of the show and to watch both of the characters kind of go through their lives and they each make mistakes or make decisions that lead them into really dark places sometimes and really great places sometimes. And then watching the balance of, of how that plays out for them overall and what they make of their situations. Um, and I think they're both really um, strong women who've been through a lot and are trying really hard to do good by as many people as they can. And I identify with that. So I once took a personality test that was like a game of Thrones themed personality test. And I came out as a Rob Stark who I think it was sort of the, um, strong moral compass and leadership, um, skills that were, you know, in the description, like, this is why this is, this is your character. Um, I mean, I definitely love, 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 love Danny. And, um, I, I, I love how strong she is and she's, she's always the character that I'm, I'm the most emotionally invested in. So I guess that means I identify with her. And I think for the same reasons, right. It's the, um, I mean, she has a strong moral compass, although she sometimes, Let's emotion cloud or judgment, um, which <laughs> I do, <laughs> and um, and she, but she's also you know just a really strong leader. And you're right, just just motivated by making the world a better place, and that's definitely something that I identify with. So, um, I, I also I also really identify with Tully. Yes. Because really, if I was the one running away from snombies, <laughs> that's snow zombies for <laughs> the people who call them by their real name, um, I I also would would be the one at the back <laughs> going, please, please don't leave me yeah. behind. So I would say, like, Matt and I have um, favorite non-main characters as well in Game of Thrones. 
and the two of us oscillate between the guy who's the ginger at the head of the wildlings. Like that guy oh, is yes. so he's fun. Every so time he's, funny. Every time he's on screen, it's just like the whole the whole scene is better. Um, and then uh, Tully. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So cool. Next one. All right. Uh, if you had to live in a house with other paleo bloggers for a reality TV program, who would you choose? I've actually yeah, done this one, before. <laughs> one, two, three. Russ Crandall. Yes. No. Um, but we've actually done this before. I've done this like countless times. And um, Bill like, and Haley from Primal Palette. I mean, I guess it, it to me it depends on the on the framework of the reality TV program. Is it like a Big Brother thing? Are we voting people out of this house? I'm just thinking of it as like Paleo FX house. I mean, I guess you're right. Like, if you need to build a team, and you need to have you need to have a bad guy. Like, I'm not going to name who my bad guy would be. <laughs> I know, I know, who my bad guy. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not. But we're I'm not going to talk about it. Who? Um, but I totally know. But you know, nobody. Let's just be really clear. Nobody's a bad guy. It's just people have different personalities that don't necessarily jive yeah, all the time. I meant. Yes, My, I, I said it too. You know, Amorosa, I know who that would be. <laughs> but I would say the people that you see us, you know, tagging in things all the time or we spend time with them, like those are people that we genuinely enjoy spending time with. So Sarah and I, obviously, Russ Crandall, we try to maximize our time with as much as possible. Um, Especially we, in situations where Russ is cooking. And Just, honestly, like... Russ's wife does not get enough credit. She does a lot of work and is amazing. And I really enjoy spending time with their whole family. Um, but Bill and Haley from Primal Palette have been longstanding paleo friends of ours. And they were kind of the second paleo people we ever met. The first I ever met was Liz Wolf from Real Food Liz, um, who still remains one of my favorite paleo people, even though I haven't, I rarely get a chance to see her. Um, I think she's amazing and I love following her. Um, and I had one more at the time. Oh, um, I love both, um, that paleo couple who now isn't a couple. They had a baby, um, and a tribe beyond bless Anthony and Katrina, Noe and their, um, second baby is coming any day now. So those are all like local people. And I know you like them. <laughs> I do like them all. Now I have to add some of my own personal besties though. Um, because I'm really good friends with Mickey Trescott and Angie Alt from autoimmune wellness. Um, and they're, they are also wonderful people to be around when they're cooking. Um, and, uh, also very good friends with Chris Talbot from No Cook Paleo and Kirsten Peterson from Vibrant Life Army Wife. Um, and they're, they're people who like I just enjoy spending time with. So looking at the house as a I want to fill this full of friendly people, um, they would have to be there. Totally. And Denise Minger from oh, totally. Denise Minger. Yeah, she's another one we don't get to spend a lot of time with. And I will no. say – Another one who I have stayed with that I had a really great time with is Caitlin from Grassfed Girl. Uh, oh, yes. She She's so sweet. Us. So sweet. Um, and you can go back and listen to the podcast in the Paleo FX house because we would do like group podcasts. Those are mm-hmm. fun ones to listen to. And those have pretty much all the people that we've mentioned <laughs> somewhere true. along the line. In those all podcasts. the friends. All the friends. Um, all right. Switching gears. Is having dessert once a week too often? I really think that depends on your current health state, 
their goals. Um, you know, there's, there's not a definite Your relationship with food. Yes. I'm not willing to tell people like when is too often or not enough or whatever. Like I, I really think that that is part of the journey I, is figuring I out think what works for you. Lots of people can, can balance once a week successfully. Like I think that is a frequency that if you're not someone like me who tends to uh, sort of fall off the wagon with, with something like that really easily, I think once a week is, is a workable frequency for a lot of people. But it, I think that you're right. There's, there's so many different things that go into that decision. But I, for me, my primary um, criteria is really how does that make the rest of the week? Does it make the rest of the week easy because you get that treat once a week? Or does it make the rest of the week hard because you're just jonesing for that treat again? And that, that to me, it's more like the relationship with food aspect that, um, that factors into that decision. In terms of like sugar intake, most people can handle that. Well, and it also depends on the dessert. Like there's a bajillion ways to make a dessert. Like, are you talking going to an actual ice cream store and eating regular ice cream? Or are you talking about making a fruit sweetened, you know, something in your own home? Like, I I really just think that there are so many different components that go into that question that it's really about internalizing and thinking about what are your goals and, um, what does it really mean to you? Um, and what are the effects that it's going to have on you both physically and mentally? I know for me, um, if I go a really long time without having desserts, I don't even want them anymore. But then the minute I have them, it's like a snowball and it's all I can think about all the time. So, um, I have to be cognizant of that. And, you know, we had a lot of indulgence over the last uh, two weeks as we went camping and did s'mores. And then we did Cole's birthday and had his cake. And so like yesterday in the car on the way home, I said, I'm not eating another sweet until my birthday, which is two weeks from now. Like, I just need to define that for myself. I need to say it out loud and say, I'm not going to do this because otherwise, you know, I'll think about things and I'll be like, Oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, but it is, it builds up. And so I have to be aware of that for myself, but I'm not going to say that what works or doesn't work for me would be the same for somebody else. Definitely. Um, all right. What is your most hated activity in strongman or CrossFit? Running. I know you're not really doing it anymore, but what was running? Running. Oh my gosh. And so in strongman, there wasn't a lot of running, which is why I loved it so much. <laughs> But there were activities or, you know, you still did training, you know, to keep yourself uh, fit. And um, the worst was when it was something like, you know, uh, a medium instead of a heavy farmers for like a long time for speed and um, or sprint. Actually, I don't so much mind sprints, but like if there was a lot of sprints, um, there was this one activity. It was called death by something. I forget. And you'd have something heavy and you'd sprint with it like 20 feet and back. And then you'd sprint with it like 40 feet and back. And then you'd go like 60 feet and back. And the mentality of it getting worse as you were more fatigued was, I mean, it was literal death. And I think that's like a, um, I've done death by sprinting before. I've done a lot of death by workouts. Yeah. It's they, they get They get crazy. Um, I don't mind 
running. Um, I'm definitely better at the slow plod running. I guess that's a some some muscle memory from my marathoning days, you know, in 2001. Um, but uh, but my my activities that I the things that I like will cry is uh, if I have to run carrying like a wall ball or a slam ball. So um, those break me. <laughs> they, they just, I literally will be like in tears. I'll be like sobbing at the end of a workout that involves, if I have to run with a plate, that's not so bad. It's not the weight that's the par- problem. Like if I could run with a, I'd rather run with a 50 pound vest than I would run with a like 10 pound wall ball. It's the way that you have to hold it and you don't get the the swing of your arms and the swing. So it completely changes your gait. It just breaks me. Um, but the other thing that I really strongly dislike is weighted lunges. Um, they always make me really sore afterwards. And usually for at least two days afterwards, I have to like fall the last eight inches onto the toilet. And that's just <laughs> not, this is not a good time. So those are my two. I love anything that makes me feel it like that. Like, I know that we talk about it. (laughs) You like having to fall dilapidated. I like, I'm like, yes, that was an amazing workout. Like, you know, when I was in Strongman, I used to take ice baths all the time. Like I got to a point where I was used to them because I would fatigue my muscles like that. And I loved it. Like, I just (laughs) was like, the heavier, the better. I want to be able to not go up the stairs tomorrow. And they'd be like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. I enjoy feeling it the next day, but not to the point of dysfunction. So like if my legs can't actually operate on stairs, like that's, that's too much. I prefer the, Ooh, yeah, those stairs are spicy. Not like I, I have to like lower myself down on my butt, like step by because my legs can't bend. (laughs) It's just too much. It's too much. Um, so that gives a really good sense of how, um, intense we are as people, I think right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. What is the most often cooked meal in your house? Meatloaf and chicken thighs. Um, whole roast chicken and, uh, what we've just started calling liver burgers. They're like hamburgers with, um, ground liver added to them. But those, those are the two. Um, all right. Is there anyone in the paleo world who you still get nervous talking to? In the paleo world? No. <laughs> um, I have to think about that. Um, you got giggly when we had someone on the show. Was it, was it the Australian guy? Um, well, Australian guys are yeah. super handsome. I forget. I forget who it was. But I hadn't seen you get giggly since like Mark, which was a, oh, like yeah. that was a long, years that was and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I would say I get excited more than nervous, if that makes sense. Like it's like a, it's still a sort of a nervous energy, but it's more, it's more of excited. So, um, and it's now, it's like people like David Perlmutter. So, you know, I got <laughs> David Perlmutter and I were on a panel at Paleo FX last year and he said my name as part of his answer. You know, I agree with Dr. Ballantyne, which was like awesome, uh, like twice during that panel. And I, my, I just went inner squee, like full, he knows my name. Like that was just, that, and I don't know if that was like nervous so much as uh, girl fanning, um, which is a little bit different. Um, so 
I would say, yeah, there, like there's still people that that I definitely get excited to talk to. Um, I'm much better at reining it in than I was, say, during that very embarrassing, <laughs> giggly conversation with Mark. Oh, guys, don't go back to that episode. It's just it's <laughs> it's so, so embarrassing. Cute. I know, I know Matt's going to put it in the show notes now. <laughs> um, it was, it was, oh man, that was. <sighs> Mark, how did you get to be so awesome? <laughs> um, so, so, but I mean, a, a lot of those people now, right? Like I've got to hang out with Rob. We're on a, a board of directors for a company together. Like, you know, I get to, to, I've get to gotten to know so many of these people now that they've, they're like humans now, as opposed to, you know, demigods. So, so that, that has definitely changed the dynamic for me, but no, there's still, there's still people who I, I get, you know, um, not nervous, but just kind of like really excited. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate those are when I get to meet those people, those are, those are times where I really appreciate how far I've come. Like, like here I am talking with, you know, uh, you know, I got to completely nerd out with Art Devaney at Paleo FX, and we had an amazing like he sought me out because we'd had a nerdy conversation. He wanted to have a nerdy converse, another one, and like that is to me like I appreciate being part of that circle so much because you know when I started all of this you know six years ago. By the way, my my pale six year Paleo anniversary is on Thursday. So uh, when I started this all six years ago, like this was not this was not on my radar as a thing that could happen, and um, and it and it has and I it's when I have these conversations that I really can sort of it gives me perspective in terms of um, how impactful my my writing and my work has been, and that's you know that I'm that I'm in a room with these people who impacted me. Um, so that that that's more the the effect rather than like sweaty palms, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, there are, there are definitely still people that I, I, uh, like David Perlmutter that I go massive inner squee, but I, I, I hide it a lot better. So I think the thing with me is like you said, I've just realized that people are people. So I've actually met a lot of quote unquote famous people outside of the paleo community, um, through various, you know, personal or other events over the last, um, you know, six years or whatever. And after having met everybody and realizing that we're all just like living our lives and we happen to publish a book or we happen to have a blog that people identified with, it made me realize like how I'm constantly telling people like, I don't understand what, what like why people squee over me. Like, and I, I'm totally fine with it. I don't want you to think that I'm not okay with it. I'm just like, I don't get it because I'm just me. Like, I'm just a person. Like, I go to the grocery store with oily hair pulled up in a ponytail and, like, dirty sweatpants <laughs> like everybody else. Um, and so... Oh, I look glamorous when I go grocery shopping. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Um, just coming to that realization and having done a lot of public speaking, both on my professional side as well as on the paleo side, like I've just come to this place where I'm 
I really enjoy conversation with people that I look up to or admire or I'm inspired by, which all still absolutely exists. I just don't get that like butterfly in my stomach feeling meeting people. Um, there are very, very few people um, on like less than a handful who I think I would squee to meet. And one of them would be a baby sloth. <laughs> yep. That's true. <laughs> totally true. Uh, you ever want to get on Stacy's good side, just post pictures of baby sloths on her Facebook. I love it when people send me videos. <laughs> like, I love it the first time. And then when I get sent the same video, like 50 For the times, over again. Like, Did you see this? Yeah, like, yep, um, I'm pretty sure y- you are independently um, responsible for some of those videos going viral. <laughs> I highly doubt it. I think uh, Kristen Bell is a lot more responsible. <laughs> Speaking of which, side note, she has partnered with William Sonoma to do a fundraiser. Um, and if you buy her sloth spatula on William Sonoma, which is freaking adorable if it's still available to purchase, um, the profits are being donated to give, I think it was children in need meals, healthy meals. So um, if you, like me, are obsessed with sloths, you might want to check that out. Um, all right. How about... And that was, that was not affiliated in any sort of way, nope. just to make that Good. clear. All right. Um, how tall are you? 5'7". Really? Mm-hmm. What did you think I was taller or shorter? Taller. I don't know why people always think that I'm taller. I mean, maybe I should measure myself again. It's been a while, but <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm five seven. My mom um, is five nine. Maybe it's our big hair makes us seem taller, but she's actually lost an inch. She's you know gotten yeah. to be. Um, although she doesn't look it, she is an older woman, uh, so she's she's lost a little bit of her height. Um, so we're coming a little closer to each other, but she's always been taller than me. Ah, uh, yeah, I would have thought you were like five nine. Why That's do I feel so like you're so much taller I, than me? I don't even wear heels. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I don't. That's so strange. I love that I've like got this like demanding big personality because that's what that means is like i guess you know, so boom um it's because i look up to you stacy oh <laughs> that was so cheesy um, i almost it was, had it a was, little heartburn there it was pretty cheesy <laughs> um so i uh you know my driver's license says five six <laughs> but i'm really like five five and three quarters i say five six like first thing in the morning on my tippy toes um but i'm really just just shy of it um and I've actually, it's been funny because I've had like doctor's appointments where like the nurse measures me and goes, all right, five, five and three quarters. I bet you tell people you're five, six. I'm like, yeah, I do. Cause <laughs> it's easier. I'm like, I'm almost there. Um, so maybe it's an inch and a quarter is just, uh, like a really big difference. Maybe I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. It's funny. Maybe your shoulders are, I don't know. Because I feel like when I hug you, I feel like I'm lifting, I'm going up. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just big hair. I don't know what to tell you. It. It's just, I'm reaching up for the hair. That's and all, nobody that's all is going to believe is. what you just said because they know I'm not allowing you to hug me. Um, hey guys, I get to hug Susie. <laughs> uh, she would have very little choice in the matter, but she does actually allow me to. Occasionally. It's not, uh, like, it's, it's not like it's happening on the regular. Super secret. Stacy also hugs people at live events. 
Why do you tell people this? They're going to have so, an expectation. Yeah. yeah, they are. Um, but it's true. You know it's true. I know you don't enjoy it, but you still do it and you act like it's an okay thing. You're like giggly and you give people real hugs. You don't even give them like that like hug that's not really a hug. The like No, if I'm going to do I, it, I'm going to do it right. Yeah. You don't. No, you totally give like really good hugs. Thanks. I'm a hug connoisseur, so I know. I know oh. these things. Well, now. Because well, <laughs> I always have felt like maybe my handshakes were a little awkward. So from now on in business settings, I'm just going to pull right in for a hug. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so speaking of awkward, can you do a foreign accent? If I were to do a foreign accent, it would be terrible and it wouldn't be at all what you would think. When I was younger, I used to love to play with accents. My ex-stepsister, so my mom's ex-husband's daughter, and I used to go to the beach and pretend to be French. And we would have names. And my name was uh, Gingerbread and her name was Carrion Bag. <laughs> meet people at the beach and pretend to be French and we'd tell them that that was our name and they would go along with it like I don't know if they knew that we were silly teenagers or if they were just really too dense to hear that we were saying gingerbread and carry on bag but that's the extent of my accent success um so I can do accents uh at least several of them they're like the very stereotypical horrible ones that you would like, if you were actually from those countries, you would cringe. And since I know we have listeners from those countries, I shall not demonstrate this skill. Uh, but I actually have a lot of fun. It's one of the things that I, I play with my kids. Like, we, we just will have, like, an entire conversation in a, a British accent. We've actually got a couple different regional Brit British accents that we'll do, or Irish, or French, or uh, I think my my East European ends up being kind of like a, a meld of all, all it's pretty terrible um but yeah it, it's just one of those those fun things that we do together and um sometimes i'll when i go meet them at the bus stop i'll meet them like in a different accent every day <laughs> and they have to try and match it so they're all terrible uh they're all you know they're all like this really stereotypical so you know i, I wouldn't be going to Australia and blending in as a local. Let's just, let's just say, say that. Um, but, uh, it is one of the fun sort of, because, um, everyone in my family has some kind of theater hobby. So it's one of the things that comes from those hobbies that are, it's just fun for us. Um, but, uh, if we were talking to someone from those countries, we would offend them greatly. So, all right, last question. Out of all of your books, which is your favorite and why? That's like asking what's your favorite kid. Yeah. So, um, Real Life Paleo is my favorite because it's accessible and it's how we actually eat. Beyond Bacon is Matt's favorite because it's um, sophisticated and it's everything we wanted to, to be and it's um, it's a gift that he gave me because we dedicated it to my grandparents and used all of her antique stuff to photograph it. But like, if it weren't for eat like a dinosaur, then none of any of this would have been possible. And I love that it's, 
you know, all started for us because of our kids. So I can't tell you which is my favorite, but that's what I can't. I mean, you started that whole sentence by saying your favorite was Real Life Paleo. Yeah, because so. I felt like I was pressured into it. But, I mean, that's like how we eat. That's the one we use most often. I would say out of of your books, I use Beyond Bacon a, a little bit more often than I use Real Life Paleo. Um and I sort of – I used to use Eat Like a Dinosaur a lot more, but um, I, they just – I think those recipes have been usurped by other other creations. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I mean I definitely um, – you know, no one else has seen Paleo Principles yet except for maybe like six people. Um, but that that is definitely my favorite now because it is um it's like the paleo approach and the paleo approach cookbook in one with way better um like visual guides and way better um sort of like infographic type elements and way better food photography and even more science all together um so that i think it's going to be hard for me to beat paleo principles even in terms of in terms of books moving forward, but I definitely like the paleo approach is a very close second. And it's just because this, the science books are what I really enjoy. And I sort of make the cookbooks because I'm a, you know, competent recipe creator and there's a, um, a demand, you know, especially for our autoimmune protocol recipes. So that's where the paleo approach cookbook and the healing kitchen came from. But they weren't for me as fun to create. Like the science is, is the stuff that I just super enjoy. And I like that Paleo Principles gets to be an all-in-one and gets to combine all of those different things in one book. Um, but it's it's the science books, you know, that I, I just um, – to me that there's something such – they're so satisfactory in being able to take a complex science concept – and explain it so that anybody could understand it without dumbing it down. And that that is the constant challenge in every single paragraph in these books. And it's something that I, I just really love doing it. But Paleo Principles, when you guys see it, um, you guys are going to totally understand why it's my favorite. And I totally have a favorite book. And it's I'm not saying I have a favorite kid, so it's fine. Well, you didn't mention The Healing Kitchen, which I feel like is also a really practical easy to use implementation of AIP, which <clears throat> I wish I had had when I went AIP. Like there's, yeah. you know, pizza recipes and stuff like that in there that I'm like, oh my god. It's gosh. almost like creating the expert books first and then going back and creating the like intro basic guide. And yeah. it probably would have made more sense to do it in the reverse order. Um, but I think that one of the things that I was able to well, actually, one of the things that I did with um, Paleo Principles is I it has a sort of combination of um, photographic elements and hand drawn elements in the infographics. And one of the things I was able to say is like I really like the cartoon style from Healing Kitchen. It's the same designers, and um, and so there's actually some there's some consistency in design between healing kitchen and, um, paleo principles. I mean, it's, it's still 
you know, it's a very unique book, um, Paleo Principles is, but um, I, I feel like there was a lot that I learned in Healing Kitchen in terms of simplifying information and making it really approachable that I was able to bring into Paleo Principles. So I think one of the neat things about Paleo Principles is it's a book that um, targets people at very different levels. So there's a lot of um, ways that information is summarized really succinctly so that if you don't like reading the giant narrative of uh, all of the scientific explanation or you don't want to read it for everything, you have all of these different ways of grabbing the important information on every page. And um, and that was something that really came out of the experience of trying to write the intro for Healing Kitchen in a way that was um, taking a lot of the complex science out of things and really you know, going to the more common sense explanation for the autoimmune protocol. So um, that was a, definitely a fun challenge. All right. You said that was the last question. I think that's the last question. I, well, I happen to, I happen to know there's like epic bloopers at the end of this episode. <laughs> I want to make sure that I save some time for those because I'm pretty sure they're epic. <laughs> I don't know about that. Might- I'm just saying if anybody normally stops listening to the podcast with the outro music don't do that this week well since you're hanging around anyway let me just remind you that we love hearing from you on social media submit your questions comments do us a gift and a favor of either leaving a review or sharing this podcast with your family and friends and um to support our commercial free non-sponsored podcast if you can shop using the links in the show notes and on the sidebars of our blogs we'd be ever so grateful as it does support the costs of the podcast and thanks for listening we'll be back next week thank you for listening to the paleo view if you enjoyed the show please take a moment to rate us on itunes You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Listen, it's very simple. You plug it in and plug it back in. That doesn't work. You hit the side really hard. Within punching distance right now, I'd recommend that you not say things. Can I describe the situation that we have right now with Tessera? Yep. Okay. Oh, about you using my computer? So I use this computer and sometimes I log into my Facebook account. Which he does not need to do for the purposes of running the podcast production off of this computer. And now Stacy is trying to log into her Facebook account and doesn't know her own password. And I'm irritated. <laughs> there's, there's, surely there's a password recovery function. Well, of course, but then... Like, your Facebook account is tied to a bajillion things, and then you got to go in and reset everything if you reset one. Yeah? Yeah. I guess we don't log into Facebook very often, do we? Like, it just stays open until somebody hijacks your computer and puts their own <laughs> Facebook account on it and doesn't put it back like a proper gentleman. I don't know your own password. Your password. Maybe you shouldn't take over my Facebook if you don't know how to put it back how you found it. Just saying. Uh huh. Whatever he says. <laughs> she 
know your own password. That's the You thing. keep using the should word. You know that that's not allowed. So okay. unless you have something different to say. Okay. Here's what I would say. Yeah. Most people know their own password. It's not my problem. If it's on my computer and the password wasn't lost, someone stole it from me. See what's happened here? No one stole your password. You totally hijacked this computer. You hacked it. You hacked my Facebook. That's what yeah, happened. That's not how hacking yep. works. That's totally how hacking works. <laughs> it's really this not is what why, hacking is. This is why I don't share my passwords with you. Because then you log into my computer and Let's you do see. stuff to it. How do I get things back if you don't tell me your password? Well, this is why I can't share it with you. Because then you go into things and you change it all around. I didn't change anything. I just logged into my own account. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. So wait. Hang on. If your computer remembered your password before and Matt logged in, as long as he didn't say remember new password. Yeah, for whatever reason, it's like saved a password from seven months ago. It's like, this is an old password. What's your new password? And you know what? The reason there's a new password is because he's done this before and he has to keep resetting my <laughs> Facebook. I did not do that. Yes, you know that you I did. Get out. I was asked to fill out a piece of paper about my child, you know, the ubiquitous parental back-to-school paperwork, right. and I'm filling out the, you Kind know, of learner is your child. Yes. Yeah. What? You know, so I'm filling out the, we're gluten-free, we'll bring in a snack, please don't feed him, you know, like, uh, and then there's the question that's like, um, use six single words to describe your child. And I'm sitting there, I swear, it's like all I can think of to say, dirty, stinky, <laughs> raunchy. Yes. yes. And I was like, oh gosh. Those, those like, are not appropriate parent words. No, use. I use different parent words. But I was joking with him. I'm like, should I put down hairy and stinky? <laughs> He was like, she'll figure that out on her own. (laughs) Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.